0: This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Just want to remind the the choir and ensemble, we're on the same schedule as last week, 415 ensemble practice and 445 uh, choir practice. This song just reminds us that, uh, you know, we, we can't really give, God anything to make up for what he's done for us, but we can give him our, our love and our adoration. Here with us. His men bring their treasures.
1: That was great. Thank you so much. Well, God's been good to us this past week. He gave us some snow. I don't know if you noticed that you had to use your imagination a little bit, but um, it's just a sign of things to come. Maybe you think we'll get a little bit more snow. snow? Uh, let's, let's pray to that end. Um, well, Matthew chapter 1 and Joshua chapter 2 will provide the foundation for A good part of our lesson uh, today, and you will need your Bibles open. Matthew chapter 1, Joshua chapter 2. So go to the New Testament for one, Old Testament for the other. Um, When Matthew sat down to give us his account of the Christmas story, instead of beginning with the baby in Bethlehem and, and the angels and the wise men, the shepherds, and all of those things that we've equated with Christmas and all of those things that we find in Luke's account... Matthew instead begins with a totally different approach. He begins by giving the results of some research he has done. Uh, He has researched Christ's family tree and gives what, you know, we call a genealogy. Now, the reason that Matthew took time to do this research is because as he was writing to the Jewish people, he wanted to prove that Jesus was legit, he wanted to prove that Jesus was related to all of the right people because in, in the Old Testament, there were some prophecies where Messiah had to be in the line of, of David. And, and so he, had, he felt he had to prove to possible skeptics that Jesus was the one. Therefore, as you, as you read through Matthew's uh, genealogical research, you indeed find that Jesus was related to all the right people. You, you know, King David, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Jacob, and, and so on. But if you go through and actually study the, those names and, and don't just skip over them like most of us do, you find that Matthew also mentioned some people in Christ's family tree that were from, as we say, from the other side of the tracks. Uh, they were rough characters. They were not model citizens. In fact, some of these people we would consider to be R-rated characters they were people that if we were doing our family tree, we would probably leave out or at least put them in really tiny, tiny print hoping that no one would notice them. Now, the question is why? I mean, don't you think that Matthew would have wanted to kind of cover over and gloss over that information? Don't you think that he wanted, would have wanted the Savior of the world to have a squeaky clean genealogy? I mean, why would Matthew as he was giving the genealogy and the family tree of the Savior of the world, why would he mention those seedy characters? Well, I believe the reason these seedy and rough characters are included is because they're not only part of the story, but they're the point of the story. Matthew, in his book, was writing to a very, very religious group of people in a very very religious environment that were very very prideful of following their religious rules and they believed that a right standing with god was based on things that you had done and things that you hadn't done in fact most world religions essentially embrace this approach to god they think okay god i'm coming before you today i need you to bless me i need you to bless my kiddos I need you to bless my crops. I need you to bless my business. And and the reason that you should take me seriously, God, is because here are some good things I've done. Here are some bad things that I haven't done. Here are some things that I've quit doing. Here are some things that I've started doing. And and no, I'm not as good as some people, but I'm certainly not as bad bad as others either. And, And Matthew, writing to this very legalistic Jewish audience, is trying to help them understand that all along... God has chosen the unworthy. All along, God has chosen sinners. All along, God has chosen lawbreakers. All along, God has chosen the rough and the seedy and the X-rated characters of society. And he's redeemed them and used them in his kingdom. Well, here's how Matthew leads us up to the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then he goes full bore into Christ's family tree. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. There's another interesting character. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. What a great name, Ram. If you're going to have a kid... Consider this name Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Now, not so much Aminadab. The father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Now, so far the family tree looks pretty decent until Matthew brings in this next name whose mother was Rahab. Now, if you've studied the Bible, you know that Rahab had a label. Of course, today we call them nicknames. But but nicknames or labels aren't that unusual. Throughout the Bible, as well as even today, many people have labels attached to them. See if you can fill in some of these labels. John the Baptist. How about this one? Alexander the... Well, yeah, but in the Bible... Alexander the Coppersmith. Thank you, Pastor Beckham. How about this one? Those of you in the outdoors class, you ought to get this one. Nimrod the Mighty Hunter. Here's one. James the Less or Lesser. You know, he's mentioned four times in the Bible, son of Alphaeus, not to be confused with James the son of Zebedee. All right, here's here's one that's a little bit tougher. Uriah the Hittite. Just a little bit of trivia. You know who the shortest person was in the Bible? Bildad the Shuhite. Yeah, that's in there. Bildad the Shuhite. Just just some trivia. Um, Here's one that you may not have heard of. The cat in the... Hat yeah, it's not in the Bible, but okay. Some of you go what? Those of you that watch VeggieTales, like Silas and others, maybe Larry the no, not Cable Guy. (laughs) VeggieTales, come on now, come on, Emily, Larry the cucumber. Thank you. Or Bob the tomato. You guys need to get a life. If you haven't watched VeggieTales, you are missing so much. I don't know if you can get to heaven without watching VeggieTales. So it's not uncommon for people to have a descriptive label attached to them. But unfortunately for Rahab, her label was not a good one. You know, if you grew up in a church or in a home where you use the King James translation of the Bible, like my family did, like I did. Rahab was known as Rahab the harlot. Now, obviously, for religious Jews, finding Rahab in Messiah's family tree created some uneasiness. First of all, Rahab wasn't even Jewish. She was a Canaanite. She, she was considered to be part of the enemy. She was part of the people group that God had told Israel to kick out of the land of Canaan so they can move in and establish what would become the country of Israel. And secondly, we already mentioned this, but Rahab was a harlot. She was a prostitute. She sold her body to satisfy the lust of men. And think about a person like that being in your family tree. Thirdly, Rahab's name also raised eyebrows because God had been very clear that when he gave the law to Moses, he said, you must not have any prostitution in your midst and there will be a harsh punishment for women who play the harlot. And again, that's terminology in the King James Bible. And so as we look at Matthew's research leading up to the Christmas story, it's almost like, uh uh-oh, we've got a harlot in the Christmas story. And again, Matthew could have skipped over her. He could have just stuck with the names of people that were squeaky clean. But in a sense, it's almost like he puts on the brakes for just a moment to remind his original Jewish audience that in the lineage of Jesus was this woman whose reputation was tainted because of her loose and immoral lifestyle. Now, as we spend some time today talking about how Rahab fits into the Christmas story I think it might be helpful to quickly review some of her story. If you want to follow along, you can go back uh, to the Old Testament book of Joshua, chapter 2. And here's the context. The Hebrews, or, or the Jewish people, had just left Egypt. They'd been slaves for several centuries, but now they had gotten out from under Pharaoh and were on their way to the Promised Land. And, and incidentally, a lot of people don't realize this, And but, but the promised land was the same land that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob used to live in, but but remember when the seven-year famine came, the existing Jewish people moved to Egypt, and Joseph saved them from the famine. Remember that that part of history. And so this land originally belonged to them. They were just going home. But now, instead of a handful of people as as they were when they originally went to Egypt, they now have a couple of million Israelites in a convoy getting ready to cross the Jordan River and move through an area that was controlled by a city called Jericho. Well, Joshua, who was the leader following Moses' death, was unsure of the area, and so he sent a couple of spies into Jericho to check things out. And these two spies slipped into the city, began scouting it out, but all of a sudden they were spotted. And the people that spotted them, they went to the king and said, King, we think there are two spies among us. And, and the king says, well, what are you waiting for? Go after them. So they formed a posse and began to search for these men. Well, a report surfaced that, uh, that they were seen ducking into a house that was located on the wall of Jericho. And of course, we learn later on this was by God's providence, but it happened to be the home of Rahab. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but the Bible does say that the guards, instead of barging into her home to look for these two Hebrews, they knocked on the door. Why? Well, my guess is that you never want to barge into a home like Rahab's because you never know who or what they might find. And, and I just made that part of the story up there. But, but anyway, they knocked on the door and, and Rahab came out and, and they asked, have you seen two Hebrew men? And, and Rahab told a partial truth or partial lie, whatever. She said, y- yes, they were here, which was true. But then she lied and said, well, they left right around sundown just before the gates of the city were locked, and every night they would lock the city gates for security purposes. But she said, if you hurry, you might be able to track them down. and They shouldn't be too far away. Well, the soldiers left in hot pursuit, and she went upstairs where she had hidden them, and, and that's where we pick up our text, Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. I'll be reading from the NIV. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof to talk with them. And she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land. I know that the Lord. Now, what's super interesting to me here is that the word Lord in the original Hebrew language is a word for God that was a very sacred word. In fact, it was so sacred that it was rarely spoken. When they wanted to use this name of God, they would write it down. They wouldn't speak it. But this name for God was viewed as the name above all other names. And it literally meant the existing one. And and Rehab said, we believe that the God above all gods, the great God, the existing one, whoever that is, she didn't know. But she said, we believe he has given this land to you. Well, continuing our reading. And said to them, I know the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen On us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard it of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For And then she uses an, an interesting combination of words. She said, for the Lord... Your God is God in heaven above and er on the earth below. In other words, she said, in spite of what I've been taught, in spite of how I was raised, I believe your God, whoever your God is, the great existing one who reigns and rules over my household gods, over my Canaanite gods, over anything I've ever known about God before this time. And it, so it's, it's just amazing that Rahab the harlot, even though she knows very little about the true God, her information is practically zilch zero, yet she has an incredible amount of faith. I wish I had the faith that she did. Well, then she makes a request that has implications for the genealogy of Christ. Joshua chapter 2 verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that You will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Well, the spy said, you know, you saved our lives. We're going to save your life. Verse 14, our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. Let's fast forward the story a little bit because the house that she lived in was part of the city wall, she let them down with a rope. And they slipped away unnoticed and made their way back to Joshua. Now, what happened next is is, is a bit of Bible history that probably most of you, if you were raised in church, you, you've heard at some point in your life, it's the story of the Battle of Jericho. In fact, there was a little song about that. And I thought about singing it, but you'll be thankful that I won't do that today. Uh, but Joshua said, okay, here's the plan. Over the next week, you will not need your weapons. You'll just need your sneakers. Because we're going to do a lot of walking. Um, here's the plan. Um, we're, we're going to march around Jericho once a day for the first six days. And then on the seventh day, we're going to march around seven times. And of course, then they blew their trumpets, shouted. Remember how the wall collapsed? Now, what's really interesting, of course, you get skeptics trying to discount everything, but, but there are some people that try to discount the miracle of the walls tumbling down. And they say, well, when you have several hundred thousand soldiers, and they probably did, that shout at the same time, the sound will reverberate off the wall, and of course, the wall was going to come down. Or or others say, well, you know, there were so many Israelites walking around the walls that by the seventh day, all of that walking of those several hundred thousand soldiers had basically eroded the foundation of the wall, and so it just collapsed. I don't know the deal, details, I don't care. But regardless of how it happened, God made it happen. And it was miraculous, and at the end of the day, the walls collapsed, and chaos ensued. Israel ran into the city, plundered the city, but they spared the family of Rahab the harlot. And then here's a key statement. You know, some of you, you may be wondering, where are we going with the Christmas story? Hang, hang with us, okay? I, I think we'll get there. <laughs> Joshua chapter 6 verse 25 says, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now this is huge. Turn around to your neighbor and say, this is huge. This means that Rahab began to live among the Israelites as an illustration that God is a God of grace who spared an outsider, who spared the enemy, who spared a prostitute, someone who by their very own law should be judged and condemned and not even allowed to live among them. God's mercy spared her. Well, Rahab's story doesn't end there. Um... As the nation of Israel continued to move through and conquer the promised land, one day Rahab was doing her chores, and she came in contact with a man named Salmon. Long story short, they fell in love. This Jewish man married the Canaanite woman. This Canaanite woman, they had a little baby named Boaz. Boaz grew up, was introduced to a young woman named Ruth, and Ruth had a whole book of the Bible named after her. Uh, So Boaz married Ruth. They had a baby. Boaz and Ruth's great-grandson became King David himself. I mean, it's a crazy story, but it's real. And so as the first century pharisaical Jewish people read the genealogy of, of Jesus that included Rahab the harlot, it stood out as such an aberration to holiness and, and such an aberration to the law and, and such an aberration to all that should be. But that's the point of the Christmas story that Matthew is about to tell. He was Rahab. Rahab the harlot, a woman that was condemned by the law of Moses, she was an outcast and couldn't and shouldn't be allowed to live among God's people. But God said, my grace is broader than my law. And my mercy is broader than my judgment. And even though Rahab is guilty because of her lifestyle, and even though she's an outsider because of where she was born, still God's grace and God's love and God's mercy are large enough to not only save Rahab's life, but to also incorporate her into the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's good news. You know, I think I'm preaching better than what you're responding this morning. <sighs> Just kidding. But you know, as I think about this, her story is not so far away from my story and your story. <laughs> because just as Rahab the harlot had a label, I think if I could peel back your heart, And see your thoughts. If I could study your past behavior and your current behavior, and if I could know things about you, and if you could know things about me, things that we don't want anybody to know, I think the truth is that probably you, me, we all have a label. Some of us have labels because we have certain habits. Some of us have labels because we have certain addictions. Some of us have labels because we have certain relationships. And when we think about approaching God, as soon as we take that first step towards Him, maybe the first thing that comes to our mind is our label, and we back off and think, I don't qualify. God doesn't want me. I actually made a list of some labels. These are made up. They don't reflect anybody in this church. But maybe these labels describe you. Larry the luster. Carrie the coveter. Grace the greedy. Gary the glutton. James the jerk, Sam, the swindler, Adam, the addict, Jenny, the jealous, Chad, the cheater, Peter, the pornographer, Henry, the hypocrite, David. The divorcee, Lisa, the lesbian, Simone, the smoker, Danny, the druggie, Deborah, the depressed, Alex, the adulterer, Fran, the unfaithful, Gordon, the gossip. Leslie, the legalist. And you know what I think? Again, I'm guessing. But as Matthew is doing this whole genealogy and he emphasizes the name Rahab the harlot, I wonder if it's perhaps because Matthew also had a label. Remember his label? Matthew the publican. Matthew the tax collector. But if you remember the story, one day Jesus looked at Matthew, the tax collector, and he didn't say, Matthew, you know, once you quit being a tax collector, and once you've repented of your tax collecting, and and you lay it down and promise you will never do it again, and, and when you finally get a new label, then you can follow me. No, Jesus, looked, Jesus caught Matthew right in the act of tax collecting and cheating people, but Jesus still looked at him in the eye and said, Matthew, I want you to follow me, even as you are still wearing your label. And that's what Jesus does. He invites all all kinds of people with all kinds of labels to follow. but as my dad used to say, you've heard him say it many times, God has more grace than the devil has sins. his sense of his sense of forgiveness is broad enough to encompass everyone regardless of his or her label. And because of this, Rahab the harlot would be given the opportunity to become the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? And I know I'm, I'm a little baby, but this week I wept in my office as I thought of God's redeeming grace for me. And really the message of Christmas is that you've been invited while you're still wearing your label. You've been invited to lean into the God who has leaned into you. You've been invited to approach the God who has approached you. Now before we go, let me ask you a question. And this this is a point of incredible transparency. We're going to see how many honest people we have here today. Does that worry you? <laughs> And I don't want you to raise your hand yet. But how many of you would say, Joe, because of my past life, and again, don't raise your hand right now, but because of my past life, there's at least one label that could be associated with my name. Or how many of you would say, Joe, if you could peel back my heart and know my thoughts, they would probably find a label or two to describe me. And again, don't raise your hand yet. Or Joe, if if you just knew what I do week in and week out that no one knows about yeah there would be a label or Joe if you just knew the thoughts that run through my mind when I see certain people or if you could see the jealousy that runs through my veins when I'm around this person if you only knew how much I covet what my sister or my sister-in-law my brother my brother-in-law has you know from God's perspective there's probably a label associated with my name in a moment of incredible transparency, whether it's from the past or the present, whether it's known or unknown, whether it's public or secret, how many of you would say, Joe, there is probably a label associated with my name. And before you raise your hand, I'll just tell you, my hand will be the first to go up. Is there anybody here that will be honest and say, yes, there's a label associated with my name. Wait, wait, keep your hands up. (laughs) Look around. You can see the honest and the dishonest people here. But, you know, aren't we a mess? Aren't we a mess? And that's why we need the message of Christmas. Because we all have a label. We're all sinners. We're all messed up. We're all spiritually speaking from the other side of the tracks. And the Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one and the message of christmas is that because of jesus god wants to come and redeem us and make us new creatures in christ jesus that's what second corinthians 5:17 says therefore if any man be in christ he's a new creature all things or can i just without doing harm to the scripture to say old labels are passed away behold all things are become new so today you have a label You might not have raised your hand, but you have a label. Your label may be the person that didn't raise your hand. (laughs) And you lied, but you have a label. But don't be held captive to that label. You can become a new creature in Christ. Your old label can be forgiven and cleansed. Now here's what I want us to do. We're finished. But this morning if there's a label that is still hounding you defining you could we just ask God to come and cleanse that label and that old label can pass away and our new label can be forgiven Joe the forgiven, Joe the cleansed that can be the new label and so honestly I don't care what you've done you know, sometimes in, in in society we categorize, okay, you know, a white lie is not too bad, but you get over here and murder, you know, that's really bad. And, and I realize there are consequences of, of different levels of, of, of sins. But really in the sight of God, sin is sin. Sin will send you to hell. And so this morning, I don't care really what you've done. What I want us to do is to make sure that our label has been cleansed and that we have a a new label, that old things are passed away and and we're part of the family of Jesus. We're in the lineage of Christ because we are now sons and daughters, heirs. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. You know what? You're always welcome to come and, and kneel here at the steps. This is an open altar. The altar is for good people for bad people it's for ugly people it's for anybody that just feels a need to pray it doesn't mean that you're a terrible terrible serial killer <laughs> it just means that you have a need if you want to come and pray you can come and pray right now but maybe maybe the business needs to be done back there just privacy as you're standing right there by yourself and i want to just encourage you to come to jesus you know rahab seemed hopeless seemed like she had no chance but yet god redeemed her and allowed her to be part of the family tree of jesus christ and so this morning if you have something that's in your life you want to just ask jesus to forgive you and cleanse you and make you new let's pray together lord what an amazing story of forgiveness and grace and mercy Lord, we are those, uh, we are people as just evidenced by our hands that were lifted up. We have labels. Lord, some are public, we know the label, some are secret, nobody knows, but father i pray it doesn't matter at this point i pray that you would just cleanse our sins if anyone will confess his sins he you are faithful and just to come and forgive us and so lord we pray that there would be forgiveness there would be forgiveness of our sins and god that from this day forward lord this is christmas eve what an amazing time to be able to get a new label lord we can be joint heirs with. Jesus Christ Lord I pray that today your grace and mercy would just just be applied to us we need it so much and then Lord as we go through Christmas tomorrow Lord as we go on through the rest of this the last week of this year and begin next year I pray that we would be different because Jesus has come and redeemed us Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word that really spoke to me this week. I needed your word in my own life this week. Thank you for speaking to me, and I believe you've spoken to all of us today. We love you. We ask these favors in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people again said, Amen Amen and Amen and Amen. Praise God. Merry Christmas to you. God bless you.